well, well, well. Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, everyone. As always, I am Darren Carp, and I'm here with my my wife, my loyal wife, who's literally never had sex with anyone except me her entire life, John Dasher. <laughs> oh dear, is that right? I that... I, I never know oh, where you're going. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. I never know where I you're like... going to go with those in the beginning. I like keeping you shaken and disturbed, and disturbed. at the top of the show also, right. but I'm also a little bit on a high because Tell me. We're going to talk about this in NMR, but I got we talked about this in NMR recently, but like I saw you I got to see you twice this week. Isn't that amazing? What is going on I in mean, the world? It's like we didn't see each other twice. It's normal. Well, I was going to say we didn't see each other twice in a week before the pandemic times. Usually it was just once a week when we were recording. So Something spicy is going on in the world, I think. Something spicy is definitely in the air, but uh, <clears throat> the reason we saw, the reason oh, the second yes, time we, we actually say. saw each other was because uh, we had a, first time we saw each other was a Patreon live stream. A big thank mm-hmm. you to the to the people that actually came out for that. We know it was kind of tough timing. It was kind of later than normal, and it's also yeah. like right in the heart of holidays where everyone has holiday parties and this and that, although... Omicron might be changing all of that. Om- Omicron. Omicron um, yeah. But thank you to everyone who showed up. We played some fun games. I was like so giddy and I have. You were. were I just you... want to take a straw poll because. Okay, first off, yeah. John said to me, and maybe we should just leave this for the NMR. But the <laughs> yeah, we're going to. Sh- John yeah. got me a rum and coke and we were drinking and it was just nice to be around you. And then I got self conscious that all of them were reading into my weirdness, which made me even more weird. Would you, would you Long say story that you're short, paranoid? Thank you. Yeah. I was a little paranoid, <laughs> uh, just that I wasn't being my normal self. But we had great games. You prepared some awesome games, and you Thanks. were in charge of the gift giving this year. So, That's right. John, why don't you tell the people who weren't participating what, what they if they did on? participate, could have won? Yes. Well, you guys are missing out on our Patreon because the first game we had to, we usually do two games per live stream. The first game, right. the winner was Molly, and she won Darren's not her exact one, but the replica version of Darren's cat butt tissue holder. Who Darren and Molly was calling? Promised, yeah, she promised she would put it in a prominent place. That was the important part. That's good, Molly. And you know what? We've we know Molly at this point. I trust her. You know what I mean? I trust Molly, too. She's my our Minnesota lady. That's right. And Darren was calling it the cat tissue butt holder. Yeah. Yep, so yep, 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 yep. What so state we, of mind Darren was in, nobody knows. Well, um, I think you have to expand your mind because, yes, it can fit tissues, but it can also fit other things, including butts. That's right. Just something that's to think about. It's a good point. And then we had Susan and Krista go head-to-head mm-hmm. in our fake headline game, which, to be fair, is very hard game. It is very and hard. Susan took the lead. You were being a misogynist <laughs> asshole against my girl, oh, Krista, which dear. was fine. Okay. Uh, it's just fine. We're going to do a whole mea couple to Krista. But what <laughs> did Susan win from you? Well, Susan John? won. By the way, we, we pick items off of Amazon because it's really easy to fulfill them, frankly. So I found these socks on, Insta- or on, yeah, on Instagram, on Amazon. And on the bottom it says, they say, I would rather be listening to a true crime podcast. And I thought that was such a cute gift. And you get a pair of two. So like maybe she could give them away to somebody. I thought they were really cute. So thank you, Susan. For I do, who doesn't love socks? I do remember when yeah. we did Martinis and Murder. And obviously Taco Bell is like our favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Someone sent us like, I, I'm probably drawing a blank. And I go get them. But it's like, I'd rather be eating tacos. 
on the bottom <laughs> yes. of the socks or something. Right. And they were like yes. little grippy socks. I wear yep. them all the time. So socks That's are always cute. a really good gift. Well, yes. thank you to whomever yes. sent that through to us. Um, more on the Patreon live you... stream in our NMR. But if you guys are wanting to join us and win prizes, you should definitely sign up for Patreon. What were you going to ask me? Are, I was going to ask if you're drinking a rum and Coke today. Because that I'm was not. A, that, my Captain Morgan and Coke was like the I first know. time since college that but I had that. So thank you. Wasn't it good? It was good, actually though? really good. I was it, to say, be fair, it was... Captain Morgan and Diet Coke, which I much prefer because yeah. Captain and Coke is too sugary for me. No, I know. It was a little too sweet, but it was like just right for me. I was have I had a nice little buzz. I also had come from a work event where I was already drinking, so maybe that's why. I'm drinking, yeah, Darren, coffee whiskey. I'm bringing this back <gasps> out because... I love it. I forgot. I had that finished. Here? No, I finished my first bottle of it like months ago. Yeah. And I was packing to come to New York. By the way, spoiler alert, I've been in New York this week with, with Darren, obviously, in person. Um, and I found another bottle of it. I was like, oh, they must have shipped two bottles to me. And I had one hiding, and I didn't even know it. So I'm cracking it open and oh. putting it on ice. And I'm going to have myself just a little, nothing crazy, nothing too over the top. we got to get through a lot of information today on today's show. Um, but I'm yes. enjoying it. What are you going to drink? We- we do right before we get into the case. Um, I actually was coming from another work drinks thing, mm-hmm. and I have another thing later. So yeah, I'm trying to hydrate right now and be very good. I'm having one water. step at a time. One step at a time. Very one smart. I appreciate that uh, you're doing healthy drinking habits, which is important in life in general. I'm trying. I'm yeah, trying. Yeah, you're my trying best. at least. I'm trying my best. And I want to mention one other thing. I am here in New York City. Although Darren and I aren't with each other, um, I am at my Airbnb after work. But um, I forgot my USB adapter for my computer, so I have my microphone and everything set up, and it and I can't plug it in. So you're hearing a little bit of a different audio from me just this week. I just wanted to make a little disclaimer as we get into today's show. By the way, my mom wanted me to tell you that, because you edit the show, that last week when she was she was like, there oh was a minute God. of silence, oh my and God. I just heard Let's John address. come back on and say, fuck. <laughs> Let's fuck. address this and my mom is you. And I was like, oh, John forgot to edit out yes. his Zoom pause. I didn't, I forgot. To, I was like, should we bring this up and like bring attention no, to it? No, my, my mom brought my it mom. up to me and I'm bringing it up to you. Thank you. And I have to give a shout out to my friend Carla who brought it up to me um, on like, a, I was so, I've been so busy, Darren, you know why. I've just been so busy the last few weeks. And Carla messaged me, uh, texted me and she was like, I'm paraphrasing here, but she was like, hey, I hope everything's going well. Um, There's like two minutes in the show where you like cuss out zoom and um you were like fuck zoom i was like fuck, fuck. fuck i literally fuck i literally zoom. went fucking zoom because it just crashed in the middle of our our, our recording last <sighs> week so i was like oh my god i told because what we do is we record on like a, a wednesday evening usually like way after my work and um I forget, I edit, I don't edit till like Friday or Saturday night sometimes. I completely forgot it happened. And I was like, oh my God. I like jumped on my computer immediately and I know when you it normally and write it. down the time codes. But I, I do, feel like yeah. It was just, it was, it was funny and you're getting like the authentic us, but it's you just really like are. my mom was like, there was a minute of silence and I, I didn't <laughs> want to say anything. And I was like, well, nope, tell, that's. Tell your sure. mom and anyone listening that the audio has been replaced so you will no longer hear that. Although I think what we might do, Darren, is just clip that out and then put it on Patreon just for the fun of it, you know, a little, just little blooper. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, let's get into this week's case. It's a very interesting one. Uh, Megan produced this one. So guys, buckle up. This one's wild. Sunday, June 12th, 1977 was the first night of Girl Scout camp outside Tulsa, Oklahoma. Were you ever a Cub Scout, Boy Scout? No, but my uncle, who was only a few years older than I was before he passed away. Eagle Scout? He was like a Cub Scout. I think he might have been been an Eagle Scout. Like, I'm not sure how it works, but I remember he would make those little wooden cars and race them. Do you know what I'm talking about? The little, like... My brother did that in Cub okay. Scouts, and I was like, the wooden cars in the blue box, What's I love Yeah, box those. cars. I yes. think that's what they're called. Um, yes. Love those, too. And I have vivid memories of, like, being in the place where they would race them. It was, like, a really cool thing. But, no, that's I never cute. got into it. Yeah. I was definitely not a Girl Scout. I, I can no. only imagine. Yes. No. No, yeah. no, no, no. I was literally I was more Boy Scout, Scout than a Girl, I was Scout. The Girl yes. Scout. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Well, Camp Scott was located about 50 miles outside Tulsa amongst uh, four, 400 acres of woods. Just Let this me pause massive right fucking camp. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Camp Scott, not loving the vibe of that sound. Outside of Tulsa, 400 acres of woods. This is setting us up in a way I'm not sure we want to be set up, but keep you're going. You're not ready for it? Is that is that really what you're saying? It's just creepy sounding. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Yeah. Well, 10-year-old Denise Milner was one of the only African-American girls of the 130 or so attending the camp and was nervous about being away from home. 15-year-old counselor Michelle Hoffman comforted Denise. It's crazy to think that there can be, like, a counselor who's 15. Like, I could have a child that's 15. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Oh, oh my God, you're right. That's a weird feeling. So 15-year-old counselor Michelle comforts Denise and promised that she'd have a good time at the camp and she'd help her call her mom in the morning. Okay. When the girls arrived at the camp, Michelle helped Denise to tent eight, which had been her favorite when she had stayed at a, as a camper herself. So you can tell she's kind of like ushering her into this world, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like a big sister, little sister, it seems Yeah, like. yeah. The, t- the tents were arranged in a horseshoe shape, and tent eight was the last in the row, closest to the kitchen and bathroom, and furthest away from the counselor tent, probably why it was the most coveted tent, because it's away from the counselors. That's and right. Your kitchen. And your kids That's where at this be. point. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, the tents were about 12 by 14 feet, not huge, with canvas siding that could be rolled up to let in fresh air. This is all very important, these details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. boring you here. The night a thunderstorm hit, all the girls were confined to their tents to wait out the rain. Denise ended up sharing tent eight where two, where, with two other girls, eight-year-old Lori Farmer and nine-year-old Michelle Goose. I, I guess it's Goose. Could be, could be guys, but I'm going to say Goose. Yeah. G-U-S-E. The tent was... G-U-S-A. The tent was meant to sleep four campers. Eight-year-old Joanna R- Johanna Wright almost chose to join the three girls in tent eight before deciding to move somewhere else for the night. Now, years later, Johanna commented in an interview, I just didn't like the location. There were a lot of woods around it. I just didn't like it. Mm. Now, remember, it's horseshoe shape, so you'd think that it wouldn't be far from the other places, but placements very much so matters. Although the three girls started off as strangers, Counselor Michelle recalled that they had quickly gotten to know each other and became friendly and lively. And listen, these girls are young. They're away from their parents. They're out in the woods. Like, and they're girls in a confined space waiting out the rain. Not surprising that they were all going to end up being friends. I think you might know where I'm going to go with this. But when I think of tent in the rain, I'm thinking the Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was definitely going there. The reason being... The image of the T-Rex, like, coming into the camp, into the tent. Yeah. Yeah. And while they were camping on Isla Sorna. I don't think 
this story involves a T-Rex, but we'll does. wait. Let's wait. You know what? That's the joy out. of the show. You never know what's coming next. So here we you go. You really don't. Well, you later don't. in the evening, she entered the tent to check on Denise, Michelle, and Loria and found them all cheerfully getting ready to, um, for bed. This is Counselor Michelle, by the way. By the way, I love that we're just calling her Counselor Michelle. It kind of sounds like a stick well, sci-fi story or something it's just she's half our age but she's that's right counselor michelle returned to the grown-ups tent to get to bed for an early start on monday morning and in the middle of the woods without any lights the camp was incredibly dark and the thunderstorm made it even more difficult to hear anything outside of your own tent by the way this is the lost world jurassic park it is unfolding exactly like this we're gonna keep going we're just giving you we're giving you we're reading the imdb page of of the lost world that's right yeah Well, after the girls enjoyed their first night away from home by being silly and playing with their flashlights, they all settled down. Everyone went to sleep for the night. By the way, I'm also wondering, is it common for Girl Scouts to do this? Like, I know Girl Scouts is all about camping and making, but I'm like, do they send them all away to a camp like this? Because I'm not sure how I'd feel about that as a Maybe some factions do, or it's like a specific camp that you can go to if you're a Girl Scout. Unclear, because I wasn't a Girl Scout. Well, Monday morning came, and at 6 a.m., Counselor Carla White found the bodies of the tent eight occupants, Denise, Michelle, and Lori, dead on the side of the trail leading from the tents to the showers. This is a tragic story, unfortunately. By 7.30, law enforcement was on the scene to investigate, and the scene was brutal. The girls had been beaten, strangled, and stuffed into their sleeping bags outside of their tent. They found the wooden floor platform of the Tent 8 covered in blood. Right from the start of the investigation, authorities believe the killings may have been done by multiple people. That was initially my thought, too, because it seems like a lot to do this with multiple people, frankly. Detectives... Well, and like little girls you'd think would scream. I mean, it yeah, was right. a thunderstorm, but you'd think someone might hear. Yeah. yeah. Well, detectives found a tennis shoe print outside of the tent and a different shoe print inside the tent. So great indicator that it's multiple people. The killers now appear to have tried to wipe away copious amounts of blood using towels and the mattresses. So mm. it's very disturbing. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, I, like... As a parent, if my kids were going away to Girl Scout camp with 130 kids, it's like, I just feel like I couldn't, maybe this is the 70s, it's a different time frame, but like nowadays, knowing what we know, being a true crime podcaster, I'm not sure I could do it. Although it's funny because it's completely irrational because the world's safer than it was in the 70s. That's true. Like murder and crime has actually gone down. So it's like, it's just that we know more, like we're more connected, so we're communicating more, but like the facts shouldn't bear that out. You'd think that we'd be safer. Kids have cell phones now and Mm -hmm. a lot of precautions, but I understand what you're saying because it's very scary. Well, investigators also found a flashlight, some duct tape, and a piece of cord at the scene, as well as fingerprints on the girl's remains. At around 10 a.m., Camp Scott was evacuated without telling any of the campers why they needed to head home after only spending a single night away. Wow, so they didn't even know. Yeah. This would be jarring. June 13th, 1977 was the last day 50-year-old Camp Scott was open to the public. The camp never reopened after these murders. Mm. On June 14th, Tent 8's wooden platform floor was airlifted to a nearby crime lab. The next day, on the 15th, a suspect was arrested about seven miles north of Camp Scott. The suspect, live in his, lived in his car near the camp, was questioned by authorities before being released. Now, next, authorities turned their attentions on the owner of Camp Scott, Jack Schwaff, mm. 
who was found to have stolen items in his cabin. Police believe these stolen possessions may have had a connection to the girls' murders. Hmm. Though police had their suspicions about Jack, no further evidence was found that he was part of the murders. I mean, found to have stolen items. Uh, yes, that, that would be a flare, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's, I mean, he's the owner of the camp. You'd think that would be like a huge liability. It's open for 50 years. Not yeah. one thing happens. It just right. seems and also, e- And also, even if he's not a suspect, like what would be his motivation about murdering three kids out of nowhere, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, there doesn't seem to probably be any good motivation. So right. next, police stated publicly that a man named Gene Lara... Larrett Hart may be a suspect in the case. Gene was a convicted rapist who had escaped from Mays County Jail in 1973 and was never caught. Police believed him to still be at large in the area. Hmm. On June 16th, police brought the Wonder Dogs, trained sniffer dogs essentially from Pennsylvania to help canvas the crime scene. And we've seen so many documentaries, you know, whether it's making of a murder or about how unreliable it kind of is these dogs Mm -hmm. they signal to something but it can be hard to say definitively what necessarily went down they can really only signal it doesn't say a lot the dogs were valued at being worth somewhere between 10 to twenty thousand dollars each presumably because of all the training they've had and the dogs helped determine that the killers must have passed by the counselor tent in order to reach their victims in tent eight by the way i just love that they're called the wonder dogs it's like very marvel you know by the way, did you ever watch American Always Horror? Reaching back to my... Yeah, American Horror Story. One of the seasons from 2019. I don't think you watched that show. I, I don't really watch that show either. But this season was all about murders happening in a camp for kids. Um, oh God! I mean, it wasn't. Great. There weren't. They weren't literal kids. By the way, it was like adults playing. I don't actually remember now. Like adult. Was it an adult camp or something? Anyway, it was a spoof off of, like, Camp Crystal Lake and, like, the whole thing with, like, you know. Anyway, this is giving me vibes of that. But the Wonder Dogs also found a pair of eyeglasses and a small case belonging to one of the campers and one of the counselors, respectively. The same day, the medical examiner finished inspecting the bodies of the three girls and determined that although their killing had been brutal, none of them had been raped, which is at least some silver lining in all this. Like, slightly less disgusting. Yeah. On June 17th, Jack Schroff passed a lie detector test administered by police, which indicated he had nothing to do with the killings. However, the Tulsa Tribune ran an article about the fact he was being questioned in connection to the crime. Due to the way the article was printed and continued on another page, some readers were led to believe that the camp owner was still a main suspect in the case. He received numerous harassing phone calls and threats. So basically what's happening is they reported on it. You had to flip the page and it's like, by the way, he's... Completely innocent. But I gotta say, that trope still so exists today where people are like, well, I, I read a headline the other day and it's like, I yeah, know. but if you read the headline, you would have seen in the article that that wasn't yeah. true because headlines and those things on the front page are to get clickbait. And yeah. so I hate when people are like, well, this headline, I'm like, but did you read the article? I love did that you read bring- it? I love that you're bringing this up because I don't know if it's Twitter or Facebook or both, but now when you sometimes share articles that are headlines, it will prompt you to be like, hey, did you actually read this first or are you just sharing it? Yeah, it's like, hey, motherfucker, did you read past the first (laughs) three sentences? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, look at social media kind of catching up with the horrors of social media from the last couple of years. But I, I appreciated that at least. But yeah, it's the same thing, except it was in print back then. 
Well, on June 18th, the sheriff announced that the investigation team had uncovered a murder weapon. Right. How exactly did they die? We should figure that out. The same day, the ADA commented to the press stating that they had no idea that what the sheriff was even talking about. Uh-oh. We're not on the same page. Hmm. No pun intended here. United yeah. Press International ran with the story reporting that the murder weapon was a crowbar, which contained oh. several viable fingerprints. Around this time, rumors surfaced in the area that a local Cherokee medicine man had placed a curse on the Wonder Dogs. I want to take a moment here and say that um, we this is a stereotype that Native American people can, can curse and put spells on people. And I just want to take a moment and say we don't necessarily believe that. This is just the rumors and the reporting at the time. Um, yeah. Anyway, on June 18th, one of the Wonder Dogs died from heat stroke. Okay, I'm sure now the public is believing. So I'm sure this just makes the curse perpetuates feel more real it. and alive. Sure. The very next day on June 19th, the Wonder Dogs handler stated that the dogs had sniffed out some solid evidence at the scene and anticipated there would soon be a break in the case. Okay. The DAs, which, by the way, maybe don't mention that. Like, maybe keep it all, like, under the investigation. But whatever. It's the late 70s. It's a different time. The DA's office announced to the press that there were still no suspects in the case. The same day, the sheriff's department announced that they had a single suspect. The same day, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation stated that they had three suspects. I mean, is this the CDC with COVID? Like, nothing (laughs) seems to be accurate. It's like... Don't wear a mask, wear a mask, wear two masks, but don't wear three masks. Don't get a booster, get a booster. It's like, this is this. Like, we have one suspect, we have no suspects, now we have three suspects? I'm... Right. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the same day, the DA's office corrected the press report stating that the sheriff's office was incorrect when they stated that they had found a possible murder weapon. So, as Darren was saying, a lot of miscommunication happening around this case. It's probably a, a matter of... I feel like we hear this from time to time, like probably jurisdiction. For press. Yeah, but also yes. ju- I'm thinking like jurisdiction about who's actually doing the investigation. You know what I mean? Like that's always a little hairy, especially in the 70s, I feel like. Well, and like what they divulge to the public yes. might not necessarily be accurate because they don't want to show their cards. You yeah, know? right, right. But there's G- still a murderer G- out there, apparently. Right, exactly. So they don't want to necessarily say if it's solved or not. On June 20th, though, the DA's office publicly stated that there are Several suspects in the case and a mountain of evidence. They have a mountain of sussy suspects. They have a mountains of susness. That's what they have. Susness, yeah, that. that of susness. Go. Okay. One of the two remaining wonder dogs suddenly ran in, ran out into traffic and was killed by a car. Oh dear. Uh, on June twenty first, authorities publicly identified yet another suspect called Mike, which is in air quotes, obviously a fake name. A lone camper who was in the Camp Scott area around the time the girls were killed. This gives me a little bit of, like, Gabby Petito vibes, only because it's like, oh, there's random, like, hikers in the woods. Mike was believed to have stolen some gear from a nearby Boy Scout camp, including a hatchet. On June 22nd, authorities announced that two photographs were found, picturing three women. Some officials commented to press that the photos were found near the girls' bodies. Some officials commented that the photos were found in a cave roughly two miles from the camp. <laughs> wait, Can they wait get a their minute. shit together? Wait what a are minute. these officials? It's next to the bodies or next to a cave two miles away? Two like, miles away. It's one thing if it's like we have one or two or three suspects. To, to some degree, okay, I can understand that. You're doing an investigation. There's probably multiple people involved, whatever. But two miles away from the camp... 
is a bit of a stretch in terms of like bit, getting the it's a bit, facts right. Bit of a stretch. Bit yeah. of a stretch. Well, later that same day, the DA's office announced a media blackout. <laughs> Thank okay? God. The same, yes. the same day, forensics teams told press that there was, in fact, only one usable fingerprint uncovered on the girls' bodies. And on June 23rd, authorities told press that the two photographs were developed by the still-at-large Jean Leroy Hart. I have a quick thought, though. I'm thinking about the photographs. Apparently, it was a dark and stormy night. How how usable are these photographs? How usable are the fingerprints, even? You know? Just something well, what, to think and about. Are the photographs even, like, Connected? related? Yeah. The photos had reportedly been developed while Jean uh, was at, worked at the photo lab in the prison reformery, and mm. a man is sighted near the camp, whom authorities believe to be Jean. A manhunt is then launched in an attempt to find him. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, a day later, on June 24th, 200 members of the local law enforcement, as well as around 400 community members, combed the woods near Camp Scott to search for Jean. Although none of the civilian volunteers were supposed to be armed, many did carry guns, and some had to be arrested during the search for intoxication intoxication and marijuana possession marijuana i mean is this a is this a party i didn't realize that like being a civilian volunteer meant like going to an all-night kegger (laughs) sorry i know but i mean like the picture of this time frame and of this moment and of this community even is just it almost feels like fantasy or like like imaginary imaginary or like a movie. Yeah, it's like something odd. weird's going on. I don't know why I was saying imaginary like that. Um, imaginary. Anyway, imaginary. On June 25th, heat-seeking devices were brought in in an attempt to aid the search. Um, the hunt for Gene lasted two days until it was called off on June 22nd. Or, sorry, June 26th. On June 28th, the Sheriff's Department announced a $14,000 reward would be offered for any information... Why can I not talk today? Information. Let's that sentence. Yeah, let's start yeah. that one over, guys. We're not going to edit yeah. this out, so you're getting a, a, a full-on blooper from me. On June, there's 20- so many details. I just want to make sure we can all hear them. Yeah, I think it's. Let me take a. Co- it might be the coffee whiskey. Let me just take a sip here. Mm. Okay, take another sip. That'll yeah, help. take another sip. It'll be great for me. On June 28th, the sheriff's department announced a $14,000 reward would be offered for any information leading to a break in the case. So now they've. They're, they've got financial incentive. Hopefully that'll bring something out of the woods, no pun intended. On June 29th, the very next day, the FBI stepped in to help. This is what I'm talking about with jurisdiction. Like, okay, now the FBI is coming in. Bringing right. 40 agents to Camp Scott to assist in the murder investigation. And this was an interesting fact I was skimming before we started. Because I like to kind of not know everything. You know, I like to kind of give a full reaction. I think you do the same thing, Darren, whenever we're, we're mm-hmm. going through the details here. 40 agents feels like quite a lot. And it made me wonder if there were maybe other connections to a targeted attack. I mean, remember, these these girls were murdered in a camp that had 130 other girls in it. So it's almost like if this is going to become a serialized serial killer situation, the FBI is going to want to know, oh, if there's 10, 15, 20, 1,000 girls, right. like, is there going to be another attack? And by the way, I have to also think late 70s, remember all the crime that was happening at that time? How many shows have we done both on Shaken and Disturbed and in our previous show of the late 70s? I mean, there was serial kill- there were serial killers everywhere at this point. Just something yeah. to think about in terms of time frame. No, you're right. 
Well, the next day, on June 30th, Jean's mother, Ella Buckskin, spoke to the press, stating that since the start of the case, she had been continually harassed and commenting that the sheriff had planted the found photographs in an attempt to frame Jean. We have no further information about that, so we can't really say yes or no to that, but that was her claim. She stated her belief that the sheriff's department had planted the evidence to alleviate some of the immense pressure they felt to come up with a suspect. We've seen this before. Seen this a lot over the years, however, including recently. However, the FBI rebuted Ella's statement, a public statement saying they had proof her son was in the area at the time of the murders. A couple days later, on July 1st, the remaining law enforcement left Camp Scott, stating that all the evidence had been collected from the area. On July 5th, a man believed to be Gene was seen around the camp. More dogs are brought in to locate him, but nothing is turning up. The next day, the ME's office released the autopsies on all three girls, medical examiner, by the way, in case anyone didn't know. Mm -hmm. It turned out that there were no fingerprints on any of the bodies, and I have to wonder how, you know... Go ahead. They had one eligible fingerprint. Now they have none. It's weird. The photographs are turning up next to the girls, but now they're not in a cave. They don't have a suspect. They do. It's very just botched, it seems like, all around. But we'll continue. Yeah, well, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations director called a press conference about this, saying um, basically to state, quote, what was thought to be fingerprints are not fingerprints, end quote, then refused to comment further on the autopsy evidence. So how do you go from that's a fingerprint to not a fingerprint? I mean, fingerprints are very, very specific. You don't yes, really... they you look don't... exactly like Let's what say. a fucking fingerprint looks like. What else could it be? A chapstick what a... stain? Like, no. what, what are they saying? Lips? Well, the... Like, li- Yeah. The director ended the press conference with a very, very odd statement. Quote, I would say with certainty that Gene is guilty because I would not say with certainty that any person who has not yet been tried were guilty, but we do have a great deal of evidence in the case that points to his guilt, end quote. This is so horrendous. Because obviously by court of law, he cannot say that this person's guilty. Yeah. But to say that he's guilty without saying that he's guilty is, I mean, this is what happens all the time. This is what I fucking hate. And then of course, like any jury would hear that and are going to convict him even if there's no evidence to do that. Like, That's what I was just going to This is lazy. This is immoral. I hate this. How would you, how does a prosecution come up with um, a plan when the, what is he, the director of, I'm sorry, the director ended the press conference, is saying something like that before there's even ever been somebody charged? Well, and one, and obviously the public wants to solve the case. It's the murder right. of three young girls. So right. And right. they want to solve it. So anything that they're going to whip out kind of initially, they're going to hang on to. And it's just not fair. I mean, even I if agree. Gene did it, it's still not fair. Yeah, I agree. On August, on August 3rd, a newspaper called Tulsa World printed the headline, quote, World urges heart, surrender now, along with the article pleading for Gene to give himself up to authorities. This is why the press is so fucking stupid mm. with this. In the article, the governor of Oklahoma commented, quote, I will use the authority of the governor's office and will take any steps necessary to assure his security and a fair trial if he will give himself up. Guess what? If he doesn't give himself up, you should still assure his security yeah, and a fair trial. Of course. That is our right. On September 22nd, two of the girls' families jointly filed a civil suit against the Girl Scout Council for $3 million for negligently failing to provide sufficient security members. The suit claimed that the camp was poorly laid out and that Tent 8 was obscured from view by timber and a cooking shack and that, quote, had the slightest measures of common sense been taken, these little girls would be alive today. It's true. You can't deny that, yeah. 
Although, yes, yes. However, 50 years of like a really good record, like obviously the camp counselor Michelle loved that tent and no one thought of it then. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to say how much mismanagement there happened Mm -hmm. because we don't really know what happened to the girls. Now, in fact, just two months before the killings, a counselor training session had been held at Camp Scott. However, the weekend ended early when a cabin was actually ransacked and a note was found inside and the note stated, Oh my God. We are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. Now I'm feeling an cult. Effi- an effigy of a man hanging by his neck oh, was also found. While both these findings were upsetting, the administrators dismissed the incident as a tasteless prank and ignored it. What? Hard to say why. The jury found in a 9-3 vote that the Girl Scout organization was not at fault for the murders. Sure, I would say, I would agree with that, yes. I mean, in the sense that, like, just because... Gross negligence is... Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what gross negligence is here. Yes, I guess gross negligence is the exact concern. But, I mean, no, they're not at fault for the murders. I mean, they didn't murder somebody. But um, should there have been better security? I would say yes. But I totally hear both sides of it. Or maybe a counselor sleeping... Yeah. I don't know outside nearby well on october 1st a private group offered a five thousand dollar reward for information leading to gene's arrest on january 28th so this is a few months later now composite sketches of gene were released to the press showing what he might look like with and without glasses okay but there's still we're still not 100 percent sure it's even him that did all this so correct on April 6, 1978, at around 4 p.m., authorities raided the home of a local Cherokee man named Sam Pigeon about 45 minutes away from Camp Scott. Gene was found hiding in the home and was taken into custody and transported back to Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Gene pled not guilty to the murders of Denise, Laurie, and Michelle. His trial started in March 1979, a year later, where the prosecution's case focused primarily on hair and semen samples found at the crime scene. The key evidence presented in the case was a sperm sample found at the crime scene. The prosecution called a Cornell University fertility expert to testify that the sample belonged to Gene and matched a sample found on items that had been discovered in a cave a few miles away. Okay. Hmm. But remember, there was the auto- uh, I don't know if it was in the autopsy, but there was no indication that the girls were raped. That doesn't mean there couldn't be semen on things in and around well, the, the That's what I scene. was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, because I was like, a sperm sample found. I wonder if that was in some way, mm-hmm. guy ejaculates, masturbates, whatever. Sure. It doesn't mean that they were raped. They certainly were violated, but it's hard to say how that comes about right now. No pun yeah. intended. The DA tried to make the case that the belongings found in the cave belonged to Gene and thus the semen found at the crime scene belonged to him. However, the defense that's argued... lazy Very shit. lazy. Sorry, that's just lazy shit. However, the defense argued that the items in the cave could have belonged to anyone, including the real killer. Remember, you know, the defense is saying he's not the killer. The defense team claimed that the most likely suspect was a man named William Stevens, a local man who was currently serving time for rape and kidnap. The jury deliberated for 10 days until March 30th when they returned with a verdict of not guilty for Gene. Although Gene was acquitted, remember, by the way, DNA, early, early, early days. I don't even know if it's being uh, introduced into courts at this point. I'd have to look that up. But 
it's not the same as it is today where you can almost pinpoint exactly who everything is. And although Gene was acquitted, he still had time to serve on his original sentence. So he was returned to prison where he died of a heart attack just two months later. A large mm-hmm. portion of the Tulsa community believed that Gene was guilty of the murders, despite the not guilty verdict. However, some law enforcement connected with the case isn't sure of his guilt and believes others may have been involved. So now you've got you know, a not guilty verdict, the guy's been acquitted, even some of the law enforcement's like, I don't know about this. To me, that's a reasonable doubt, right? Right. I was going to say, like, law enforcement shouldn't be sure of his guilt because that's not their job. Convicted. It's not their job, like, to be convinced of guilt. Like, it just (laughs) it just seems like so biased. You know what I mean? You, You have to with beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, in August of 1977, State law enforcement received a call from a man named Pete Duffield, who claimed that his sons Wesley and Jesse, Wesley and Jesse, <laughs> had killed a man named Jimmy oh Dean Ryan. Oh my god! Sorry, I was laughing at Jesse. I hope you don't mind me. But it's kind of crazy that a own father would call on his kids. Yeah. Investigators for sure. arrested Wesley, who claimed Jimmy had stolen fifty thousand dollars from him, so Wesley had murdered him. On December fourth, nineteen ninety, during an interview with one of Jimmy's relatives. Johnny Rodamel, Johnny claimed that Johnny claimed that Jimmy, Wesley, and Jesse were together a few weeks after the Girl Scout killings. Okay. Jesse and Wesley had told Jimmy that Jean Leroy Hart hadn't killed the Girl Scouts, but they knew who did. Mm. Jimmy had wanted to speak to the authorities together to present them with the lead, but the brothers denied. Jesse and Wesley killed Jimmy shortly afterwards. Wow. Pete Duffield, Jesse and Wesley's father, shot himself a few hours <sighs> after turning his sons over to the police for Jimmy's murder. Wesley Duffield was sentenced to life in prison for Jimmy's murder and died in jail. Now, Jesse was charged as an an accessory but was never convicted. He was later sentenced to jail for various sex crimes and was released from prison in August of 2021. Wow. So recently. Yeah. In 1989, further DNA testing was done on the crime scene evidence found at Camp Scott. The testing showed that fluids found at the scene matched Jean Leroy Hart. Wow. And... Gene was a Cherokee Indian, and according to specialists, one person in 7,700 American Indians would match the crime scene samples the way Gene did. Wow. Sorry, one person in 77,000 American Indians would match the crime scene samples the way that Gene did. Now, although the evidence points to his guilt, it is not currently possible to determine Gene's guilt conclusively, and the Girl Scout murderer's case is still inactive, but still open. This very much so reminds me of Gabby Petito just in giving yeah. a pop culture case of so someone's being like, that case, even though we could probably say, mm-hmm. is still unsolved. And this will remain as such. Yeah, you're right. Technically, the Gabby Petito case is. I mean, there was no evidence of a connecting a connecting person, sadly. Obviously, Brian Laundrie killed himself, is the, is the report. So... Yeah, it's very similar. And then all these other people get connected. I mean, like we were just kind of saying, you know, although his sampling has been found at the crime scene, does that mean he was the murderer? Hard to say. Maybe he's connected to these other murderers, you know, who really knows? But very, um, yeah. I I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I feel a little indifferent only because we don't know how these girls died, really. I -hmm. mean, and we know that, like, the fluids found at the scene match Gene, but does that point to direct? That's what I I mean. mean, Does that point to direct? Like, it's just, I want to solve it for these girls. Obviously, the Mm -hmm. families deserve justice, but it's just, 
I don't know. You know, I'm so staunch on like we deserve innocent until proven fully guilty. Innocent until proven guilty. And so that's what makes this case kind of so hard is that it's still inactive even if people kind of have obviously people are going to have an emotional reaction to it but I'm, I'm just I'm really torn about how to kind of take it I agree well let us know what you guys think about the Girl Scout murders um, on social media at Carpe Darren at Jay Thrasher our Facebook group is up and running definitely je- uh, check us out on uh, Patreon as well where we will direct message you if you hit us up um, yes let's get into listener shout outs as we wrap up this show Darren in our show notes I have a surprise shout out this surprise shout out goes to you, Darren, because oh. I want to say thank you because we've had such a fun week and we talked about it on NMR, but the other day, Darren and I stood outside of her apartment on 20, uh, I won't say mm. which street, <laughs> sorry, almost did, but, okay. um, and Darren stood there with me for what, Darren, I want to say an hour and you really gave me a lot of great life and relationship Why advice. we didn't go back inside to do Why that, I don't we know, not- but we were like, we got caught up in it. We, we were like, don't, we were just like, we got caught up in it. There's we something about the New it. York moment of like the cars honking and the smell of garbage in the streets. It just really felt like a moment. Not that you live in well, a place. Let's be where honest that's with you. It felt good to be outside. It was like that's nice true. and chilly, but then, but um, my pleasure. You know that I'm always yes, your therapist. You really you are. Darren knows. Me, Darren but... knows. I don't pay you much. Well. I do, but not for my own money, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Um, exactly. But yeah, Darren, thank you for taking the time. I just wanted to say thank you for your sweet generosity. Of course, best friend. Of course. (laughs) Um, Of course. We obviously wanted to also shout out Krista and Katrina, who were the second place winners of the games. Um, We know this is not a cat butt holder. Tissue holder, yeah. Nope, just cat butt holder. Or just a cat butt holder, that's right. And not socks, but Krista and Katrina... Krista, I kept wanting, I kept wanting Mitz to play, but Krista was like, no, me, motherfucker. <laughs> like, Krista was being so nice. You were like, I Katrina think our next so- get, our contestant is Ariana. And I was like, Darren. I know, no, and then you were like, it. shut up. Yeah, and, and shout then, out to Ariana, too. And then we each had, like, our horses in the race, and then you were like, Krista, you can't win. And Krista just had the best <laughs> attitude, attitude, and we yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. you suffering through us. Katrina, you are fucking amazing, and... I love the way Katrina's mind works. We were kind of like talking <laughs> out our answers about who kills, what That's kills right. more people. So thank you to both of you for playing. We love you. And I also our want to last say, shout though, out. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just about Krista is um, Krista got one right in her whole game and it was the one we gave her. So you know what I mean? It's a, it's a tough game if you can win I it. think you're wrong. I think oh. she got the last one right because remember we were like – Play but, the last one? Wow, but remember she but remember we announced the winner, so that one didn't even really count either. Krista, we love you. Yeah, but you. she got it right. She yeah, did she get got it right. right. All right, fair enough. What's would your it, beef with Krista? What, what did Krista do to you? What did Krista do to but you? But would it have counted on the scoreboard if we were playing a real game? I don't know. I don't think that it would. I'm just saying. I know, but like a, like a win's a win. Like let's take yeah. it. Let's go, John. All right, okay? fair enough. Sorry, Krista. Anyway. Our last shout out goes to Michaela in our Facebook group, who's also a Patreon su- subscriber. Uh, she got one of the holiday cards we actually oh mailed boy. out to our Patreon fans that was, whoop, and she said, <laughs> I love this so much. My fiance brought it in from the mailbox after work. I was ironically listening to Shaken and Disturbed at the very moment. He was like, who the hell is John and Darren, <laughs> and why are they calling you a radish? And oh my if God. you don't know what that means from our NMR... That's, I'm not even going to tell you because that yeah. is so worth it to, to be a part of our NMRs, yeah. but Michaela, I love you. That's and amazing. I love the fact that like next time we have to send out like 
something to make the husbands or girlfriends feel like they're cheating yeah. on their partners. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, great time last night, sexy radish. You know, just to like, let's start some drama. Love let's start mom some and shit. dad. It'll be really romantic. Right, yeah. Love your um, boyfriend and girlfriend. Just let's start some drama. You know what? I thought the same thing that Michaela's was talking about when I sent these out. I put them all into the uh, into the mail before I came up to New York the other day. And I was like, I bet a lot of these people's family members are going to be like, what the hell is this? It's like David Archuleta. Well, we won't tell you what it is. You'll see it on our Instagram and on our social media in the coming days. Yes. So keep an eye out for that. But anyway, Michaela, thank you for that. By the way, a friendly reminder to join our Patreon. Our now annual holiday cards went out last week, and most listeners are receiving them now. You don't want to miss them. We send postcards every few months for certain members. You have to just check out which tier works best for you. We have four different levels. You can go as low as five. You can go as high as 20 and get all kinds of goodies uh, mailed to you, sent to you, and interacting with you. And you can still sign up for 15% off if you subscribe annually. So you don't even have to worry about monthly billing or anything like that. You just pay once and you got a whole year's worth of Patreon content. It's really great. And if you can't do any of that or you don't want to, we really would appreciate you guys rating, <laughs> reviewing, and subscribing. Spotify is finally going to have a review ah, section. So if you're listening right. there, please give us love. We need to be heard by more people. We need yeah. we need to start ending relationships more with our sexy radish cards. That's we right. really can't do this without great ratings and reviews. So <laughs> we would really appreciate it for the holidays. Um, and we also wanted to say happy holidays to all of you guys celebrating right. out there. No matter, no denomination, denomination, it's the end of the year. We generically say happy holidays to whatever the fuck and for happy sure. new year. So that's what we're doing. Absolutely. And of course, thanks again to Megan uh, for producing this week's episode. Darren, let's do a quick shout out for the listeners who may be on the subway sitting right next to each other, synced up Amen. together at the exact same moment. So we're going to do- I love that you're assuming all of our listeners are on are the in subway. New York City. Like, yeah, they're like, in the subways. Yeah. 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 All right, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Megan. All right, and thank you to it. all of you guys out there. We love you so, so much. And we will see you uh, or hear us next week, next time. Okay, bye. bye.